Houston, we have a podcast. Welcome to the official podcast of the NASA Johnson Space Center, episode 310, Advancing Technologies. I'm Gary Jordan. I'll be your host today. On this podcast, we bring in the experts, scientists, engineers, and astronauts, all to let you know what's going on in the world of human spaceflight and more. On this podcast, we've discussed plans to advance humanity's future on the moon and Mars and described many of the technologies and engineering solutions that will make this future possible. A lot of thought has been put into these missions given our knowledge and understanding of the capabilities of today, and of course understanding that technologies will grow and mature. Now, what about far-out ideas that are in their infancy but may be worth trying out? Well, NASA has a home for these too. There's a program at NASA called NASA Innovative Advanced Concepts that welcomes these far-out ideas and provides inventors a way to mature them with the hopes that maybe, just maybe, they could help us explore the cosmos and improve our lives on Earth. Recently, this organization happened to host a symposium here in Houston, right across the street from the Johnson Space Center. And for several days, inventors, scientists, and technologists got together to discuss some of the fantastic and, I'll admit, unbelievable things that are in work. Almost like a science fiction convention, but for people trying to make science fiction into science fact. While they were in town, I was able to grab Mike LaPointe and John Nelson, program executive and deputy program executive for NIAC, respectively, for a few moments to share their perspective on why these initiatives are so important and to get us pumped about some of the cool technologies being discussed. I, of course, zeroed in on human spaceflight technologies like nuclear thermal propulsion that can take humans to and from Mars faster than ever, or a lunar oxygen pipe that gives us a sense of long-term infrastructure on the moon to support human missions. But it's hard not to be inspired by technologies like noise-free air taxis or technologies that can protect all of humanity from a planet-threatening asteroid. Lots to discuss in so little time. Let's get right into our conversation with Mike LaPointe and John Nelson. Enjoy. Mike and John, thank you so much for coming on Houston. We have a podcast. It's great to have both of you. Great, thank you. It's great to it's be fantastic here. Fantastic to be here. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you're coming on the back end of uh, of a symposium here at uh, just right across the street. So uh, it's just been probably a whirlwind of a day for you both. Just hearing incredible ideas. Mm-hmm. Mike, we'll start with you. What was that like? Just the symposium. Oh, it's great. We uh, we do this once a year uh, at okay. the end of September, bringing all the uh, the NIAC fellows together that are currently funded, so phase one, two, and three. Okay. So we have a, a good selection of projects that have just started out uh, and projects that are just winding up uh, through their third phase. And so it's just a, a lot of energy in the room. It's great to hear all the different ideas, all the collaborations going on in the background. It's just, it's, it's just a very energetic, very fun three-day event. Wow. All yeah, right. So we're going to capitalize off of that energy. That's great. <laughs> and we're going to go into what those phases mean. We're going to go into a little bit more about NIAC. John, same great. experience. Oh, yeah. It was a fantastic week. And as Mike said, we do this every year. Uh, We like to do it in different locations. So I believe this is the first time we've done it near JSC. That was a great experience. We had some fantastic keynote speakers and uh, just great discussions. Good experience. You think you'd come back to Houston? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Well, you guys put you on the spot a little bit. (laughs) You guys don't realize it's supposed to be fall, right? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> fall? That's a thing? We've only heard rumors. It happens on uh, Sunday, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah. It's still going to be hot here. But uh, no, I'm, gra- I'm, I'm glad you guys came down. And, and really, it, it's a perfect opportune moment to get a chance to uh, meet both of you and, and talk more about NIAC. Um, wanted to start by just kind of understanding how you got to where you are. Michael, let's start with you. Uh, you're now the you're now the program executive. Mm-hmm. So what's your background? How'd you get to be the program executive of this wonderful, wonderful program? Oh, thank you. And, and it is a wonderful program. I'm very lucky to be here. Yeah. Um, so I, I uh, started out as a contractor at Podesta Glen uh, doing electric propulsion work. I uh, had the opportunity to go down to Marshall as a civil servant uh, in 2004 mm-hmm. uh, as part of the JIMO project, the Jupiter Icy Moons Orbiter. Uh, they were doing nuclear uh, propulsion at the time. Okay. Uh, and so I joined the nuclear systems office there. JIMO, uh, of course, got canceled. And so we uh, we uh, went to different organizations, became a branch chief, became a deputy division manager. Uh, Jason Derleth, who was running NIAC at the time, uh, back in 2018, uh, asked if I'd like to join as a program manager. Um, so I worked with uh, Jason for a couple of years as the NIAC PM, which was great. Uh, went on to do a uh, program executive for internal uh, NASA program, CIF, uh, Center Innovation Fund and Early Career Initiative. Okay. And then Jason, uh, unfortunately, took a job with Goddard. Uh, unfortunately for us, good for him. Uh, and so uh, they asked me to take over uh, uh, NIAC as well. Wonderful. And so you, now you're the program executive. I am. Very good. Yeah, All right. And I and you said uh, uh, um, thermonuclear propulsion, right? And I think that was one of the things that was talked about during the um, during the the symposium. So it was Jimmo was, was nuclear propulsion at the time, but we do oh. we actually have uh, had concepts with uh, thermonuclear nuclear uh, propulsion fusion, Wonderful. fission fusion. Yeah, it's been it's it's awesome. <laughs> uh, it's a very cool technology. It is. I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't wait to explore it a little bit. Um, John, a little bit of how you became deputy. Uh, sure, not a rocket scientist. Okay. <laughs> I have spent uh, most of my, my career uh, as a contractor in NASA headquarters. Okay. Uh, started off uh, supporting scientific and technical peer review, primarily in life sciences. Uh, my background's in biomedical engineering by um, by education. Um, mm-hmm. And I became part of the new Space Technology Mission Directorate about 11 years ago. Uh, and I, for years, led a support contract supporting... Uh, several different um, programs within STMD, uh, looking at strategy and execution and improvement of programs. Uh, and I was lucky enough around 2017 or so to directly start supporting NIAC as uh, a contracted advisor mm-hmm. and love the program, just absolutely fell in love with it and um, couldn't get enough. And so when the <laughs> when the opportunity came to to pursue a, a position solely focused on, on NIAC and a few other innovative programs uh, within our portfolio, uh, I jumped at it. So it's been about a year now uh, that I've been Mike's deputy, and it's mm. the best job I've ever had. All right, we're well, lucky wonderful, to have him. Wonderful to have you. Yeah, this is great. Now we're going to be diving into NIAC and a little bit more about it. But uh, John, you mentioned STMD the Science Technology Mission Director. We haven't had a lot of guests from this mission director. If you had to kind of give our audience an overview of what that is, what this Science Technology Mission Director focuses on at NASA, what it, how exactly would you characterize that? So space technology, uh, space tech is a little different than other mission directorates. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not mission focused uh, in that we don't, we're not focused on specific space missions, either robotic or, or human. Um, we're looking at cross-cutting, uh, promising technologies that could apply to um, 
to multiple missions, you uh, for NASA, but also for commercial commercialization and for commercial space, mm. um, and working with other government agencies. So it truly is a dedicated uh, technology organization within NASA. Not that there isn't technology development within the other mission directorates, but that is the purpose of our mission directorate: is to 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 serve as a standalone um, technology organization. Is it maybe so that you can have a more broader approach in the sense that some mission directors are focused on the mission. So it's like, okay, what are the technologies we need to accomplish the mission? Whereas you are focused mainly on observing and, and thinking about technologies and say, okay, how, how far and wide can we take this? How many programs can it support? How can it benefit humanity? You're taking the holistic approach to technology. Yes, absolutely. And what okay. that means is we help fill the gaps mm -hmm. of, okay. of technologies that are needed for planned missions, whether robotic or, or human. Uh, and it also allows us to look beyond the currently planned missions and to look uh, even beyond the current decadals uh, at, at, huh. the, at technologies that will be needed for, to enable future missions. Okay. And like I said, we're also focused not only on NASA's mission, but as uh, commercial space and commercialization opportunities as well. Mm. Okay. Now, NIAC fits in this mission directorate, right? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So then what's how does what's NIAC's purpose? What's NIAC's goals? Mm -hmm. Michael, turn to you. And uh, how does that fit in the goals and objectives of the uh, space technology? That's a, that's a great question. So STMD, uh, we have three uh, main uh, divisions, departments within STMD. One is early stage innovations and partnerships, which is led by Jen Kostetic, and that's where NIAC falls. So it does all the really early TRL activities. Okay. So we have prizes and challenges, uh, you know, NIAC, CIF, uh, Center Innovation Fund, Early Career Initiative. Uh, she also has the SBIR program under her wing. Uh, and then there's the, the middle TRL range, which is tech maturation. Uh, and that is uh, where the game-changing uh, development program resides. Mm -hmm. uh, and then beyond that is... Uh, Tech, uh, tech demo missions, yeah, oh. which uh, which is more the higher TRL. Let's fly it and see how it works, and then it transitions into missions from there. So, so in oh. STMD, we we kind of cover the gamut of low TRL to high TRL. Wow! And then within that low TRL is where NIAC kind of sits. Okay, so. that's it. It's it's a it's an organization based on maturity, and you have mm -hmm. programs based on maturity. Wonderful. And so we're going to be talking about NIAC. That's the mm -hmm. early concepts, right? Yep. Which is very fun it because is. you get some really cool wild <laughs> ideas. This Absolutely. is great. Uh, and and that's so. This is how I sort of think of it, right? From my, I, I'm not in the program, so but when I look at it, I say, all right, here, what kind of wild ideas can we take on and just see what we can do with mm -hmm. it, right? And hopefully, I'm not mischaracterizing oh, it, that's, but that's perfect. That's we, perfect. We, okay. we toe the line of science fiction. It's, it's a perfect description. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Okay. So then um, now you can think about it from, you know, uh, from a perspective of, yeah, kind of bring it on, but there has to be some organization to it, right? You're not just, you know, you don't just have a phone line for anyone with a crazy idea, right? <laughs> so exactly how, how does it work that someone with an, a concept, an early concept, an idea, how do they get through the door? That's uh, a, a great question, too. So we do put out solicitations. Okay. Uh, so every year we put out a, a phase one solicitation in the June time frame. Uh, it's a two-step process. Uh, so we have step A, which is a, a very short white paper type submission, where they present their concepts to us in a, in a mission context. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason we ask for a mission context is because we do get ideas across the spectrum. We, we, we are a very open solicitation. We don't say we need you to propose on propulsion. They can propose anything that would help us enable or enhance a, a NASA mission. Wow. So it is entirely wide open. It's open to anyone in the U.S., any organization in the U.S., academia, industry, garage inventors, uh, government. Uh, so it's, it's a very broad spectrum of ideas that come in from a very broad spectrum of technology innovators. And so what they can do is uh, on the NIAC website, um, there is a, a how to apply to NIAC. 
Uh, but basically, the solicitation comes out and gives very specific guidelines about what we're looking for in terms of a proposal, but not in terms of an idea, other than propose it in a mission concept so we can compare this science instrument to this propulsion concept to this XYZ so we have some idea of the benefit to NASA. Or, mm. or other mission uh, you know, agencies, other missions and concepts. So the idea there is that uh, once they propose to us, um, we have a screening process. Typically, we get about 300 Step A white papers per year in response to the solicitation. It's a lot. It's a lot to go through. Uh, we go through it in the program office, and we look for those specific things that are uh, – so the solicitation all calls out what we aren't looking for within NIAC, which are like <laughs> incremental steps, you know, things like that. Yeah. So there's a, there's a whole list of things we're not looking for. Uh, we don't want really to tell them what we are looking for. Um, but once we get through the step A uh, winnowing process, basically we send out an invitation for step B, which is a, a full-blown proposal to mm-hmm. NIAC. And then out of that, we typically get about 100. Uh, and out of those, we fund 12 to 16. Do you Very get competitive. To, do you get to go out and sort of explore all these proposals that come in? Do you get to have work with these companies, with these individuals, have conversations with them, kind of understand? We do. Uh, in okay. fact, we encourage that. If, uh, if they're not sure it fits within the NIAC scope, uh, our senior science advisor, Ron Turner, uh, who is mm-hmm. with Answer but is contracted with, uh, with us at uh, NIAC, is uh, always willing to answer the phone, uh, as are any of us, actually, and mm-hmm. uh, to, to discuss the concept before they put in the time to propose. So you do have a phone line. We do. <laughs> it's 1-800-CALL-RON-TURNER. <laughs> it, it is worth stating that once the solicitation goes out, of course, we're, we're kind of in a yeah. blackout and we, we have for, for, for com- competition reasons. But as long as we don't have a, a call open, you know, we, we'd love to hear from folks yeah. and, and give them some feedback on, and thoughts on, on, on their ideas. Is your cadence typically annual? You get stuff uh, once a year? Or? It is. Yes. Yep. Okay. And and uh, is it is there any cap? You said you had three hundred. Is it, is about the medium? But do, is there? No, it's a, again, it's open. Um, okay. Again, it takes a while to to uh, work through those. Mm. Um, John puts on a, a orientation, not orientation, but a virtual proposals forum every every year before oh, after the solicitation, but before the proposals are due to to explain to folks, you know, what it is we're looking for. So it kind of helps, kind of guide them a little bit in in terms of what they're going to be proposing, and that that helps focus the proposals a bit on the technologies we are interested in and keeps them from proposing things like, you know, Star Trek warp drives, which are fascinating, but but we can't fund, you know, because it's a little too far down the road for us. Or on the other end of the spectrum where it might be a a very specific widget or uh, an incremental improvement in a particular technology, which is perfectly suitable for some other programs. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm. And one of the reasons we have that that forum, the virtual forum, and it's usually about two weeks after we release the solicitation, so it's like middle of June. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's been very, very successful and popular, I think. Um, the, the reason we have it is because even people who have proposed to other uh, NASA programs, um, they need. It's a bit of an adjustment in proposing to NIAC because we are mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. You know, um, like I said, we're not looking for incremental improvements. We're looking for the unconventional. Um, but at the same time, it's got to be uh, founded in real science and real engineering. Um, and as, as Mike said, uh, we asked them to propose it in a representative mission, in a mission context, so that it's not just, wow, look at warp drive. <laughs> yeah. it's, well, how would that be better than the ways we're currently doing it um, or other options that are being pursued in early stage? Uh, and by putting it in the context of a, of a mission, whether it's real or not, sometimes mm-hmm. people will just make up a mission, and that's okay too. Uh, we're not trying to find the ultimate application of your great idea. Mm-hmm. We're trying to, to frame your great idea in a context that would allow people who know the discipline, know um, you know aerospace, uh, to be able to say, yeah, this has significant benefits. This could be transformative. 
that's the purpose of the reference mission. And, and that's a really hard concept for somebody proposing for the first time to NIAC to wrap their head around. Mm -hmm. So we, we do try to help folks uh, as much as we can. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, a, it's an interesting gray. I could see why. It's an interesting gray area between a wild concept that's mm. based off of nothing and like a very mature, very specific design. You're, you're in this, you're in a very defined space there. To, to, to an extent. I mean, we're still looking at the back of the envelope kind of, kind of, or even, you know, written on a napkin kind of concepts. Okay. But they do need to tell us why it's a good thing for us to, to develop it. So you just came from the symposium, mm -hmm. so you might have some good examples to share of like, so so for for listeners who are trying to understand, okay, so what is what does a concept like that look like? If you mm -hmm. think about maybe some phase one, mm -hmm. some phase one ideas that you heard very recently Thank over you. the past couple of days, mm -hmm. what are some things that come to mind? Okay, uh, one I like to, to reference is a flute. It's a fluidic mm -hmm. telescope. So the idea is instead of having rigid optics in space mirrors, um, you would actually have a liquid that you could expand across a frame and essentially get to any size you want to um, and keep it liquid in space. So basically, picture like a giant liquid telescope um, that would be essentially impervious to micrometeoroid attacks or, or other things. Uh, and with very high optical precision uh, could get us to, um, to diameters that we couldn't get do with conventional telescopes. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. That's yeah. a, a self-healing lens. That uh, one, yeah. yes. Yeah. That, that one is being uh, pursued by Edward Balaban uh, okay. out at Ames Research Center. Uh, uh, very promising. I saw a couple that were, uh, there was like a whole section when I was looking through the technologies and, you know, it's, it's different phases, but mm -hmm. you had the whole series of them on propulsion i thought really cool engine designs yeah. and propulsion that yeah. probably excited you mike <laughs> it does <laughs> of course we have no favorite children but those uh, are those are fun right. <laughs> uh any that come to mind like just to share with our audience of something that you heard uh during the symposium that mm -hmm. uh that maybe you know w w that that is interesting in a sense i guess they're all interesting sure. that's not fair i'm trying to characterize <laughs> it in a way that Understand. is like like not a favorite child but yeah. something to share with our audience uh, well, being a JSE, uh, human space travel, uh, yeah. one of the, the concepts we're looking at is a, a wave rotor topper for a nuclear thermal propulsion engine. So NTP engines are being looked at for Mars uh, transportation for, mm -hmm. for future human and cargo crews. Uh, it takes a long time to get to Mars, yes. uh, whether chemical or, or nuclear. Um, and so what this is doing is uh, increasing the specific impulse of a nuclear thermal rocket engine, mm -hmm. uh, almost by a factor of two. Uh, up to about 1,300 seconds, give or take. Uh, and also, in addition to that, they're using the, the nuclear thermal propulsion uh, reactor uh, as, a, as a Brayton power cycle as well for nuclear high-power nuclear electric propulsion. So it's a bimodal system, which in itself is not new. But what is new is the wave topper part of this thing, where they can actually increase the specific impulse of the nuclear thermal part. So mm -hmm. rather than having an 800 or 850-second uh, nuclear thermal engine and a high-specific impulse electric propulsion engine, they actually have a high-thrust, high-ISP uh, nuclear thermal engine as well. Three times better than a chemical engine can provide in terms of ISP. They can kick you out there a lot faster. So they're looking at like 45 to 60 day transits to Mars, which is... What? Yeah, <laughs> no, it's, it's awesome. We had a discussion, uh, a, pres a keynote presentation from uh, Dr. Suresh, uh, the flight surgeon out here at JSC. And one of the things he said, you know, when, when asked about mitigations is go fast, <laughs> you know, yeah. which, is, which is a great mitigation set. So this is a way we could actually go fast if it actually pans out. Wow. And uh, eliminate a lot of the biomedical problems that they face on long duration journeys. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah biomedical food yeah, systems, absolutely. a whole a whole gamut. Wow, yeah. very, very interesting yeah, stuff. Yeah, fun. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> That's, this is pretty wild. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at some some examples that I pulled out. Uh, mm-hmm. So um, one of them because human spaceflight, right? So I'm mm-hmm. thinking I'm thinking Artemis. One was a pipeline for yeah. in situ oxygen, oxygen on Mars. Yeah. So this is like thinking way ahead, right? So Artemis, were, if you think about the early concepts, this is really just sort of getting it going, but. Mm-hmm. If you're thinking about an infrastructure, yeah. you can have in-situ resource utilization. Can, can you describe this one a little bit more? Sure. Uh, so, so yeah, if you're, if you're setting up a base and, and you have an ISRU production facility and you're transporting the oxygen short distances, you can use rovers, robots. Mm-hmm. But what if we're spreading large differences, distances, multiple directions? Um, it becomes much more efficient mass-wise and in every other respect, uh, to consider a pipeline. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's really cool about this idea is they're actually looking at the possibility of using ISRU materials, metals, from the lunar regolith mm-hmm. to actually create the pipeline itself <laughs> and then and then transport the oxygen from the ISRU production to habitats and, and other facilities that need it. Yeah, and ISRU created ISRU capability. Exactly, that's Absolutely. very very cool. Yeah, yeah this, this one really caught my attention because it's thinking so far out into the future yeah. of like what? Okay, what is Artemis capable of? Let's see how we can yeah. let's see how we can support it. And it's kind of like John mentioned, you know, for short distances, using a rover with a doer on the back is great. It's kind of like our tankers on the roads today. Sure. But if you want to really pipe something, you know, a long distance, you know, pipes are are much more efficient than uh, than trucking it across the interstates. So. Yeah, and that one's being pursued by a company here in Houston called Lunar Resources. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, all right. Another reason to, to, <laughs> to call it out. You can see the ones I picked. Um, so, um, I mean, high-level NIAC, right? So if, if someone asks you um, about NIAC and, uh, you know, why why is it so important to pursue technologies in the early stages, right? right? Why not stick with the more mature stuff, the stuff that you know has a mission tie? When someone uh, asks you, why is it so important to to work with these companies, with these individuals, with these scientists who have these very interesting, crazy thoughts mm-hmm. and give them a platform to help t- to mature it, how do you how do you address that? Well, pretty much all the technologies we have today started out as a crazy idea way back when, right? Mm-hmm. All the way from like uh, people scrubbing clothes on a washboard to the washing machines we have today. You know, someone had to take that that initial vision and say, you know, we could probably do this automated somehow, you know, and eventually move it along that way. So I right. think, you know, as, as John likes to say, you know, NIAC is the dream shop for NASA, right? We're the, we're the ones that are looking... 30, 40, 50 years down the road and saying, what if, you know, we could do this and give us this capability? How do we actually get there from where we are today? Yeah. And and that's why I think NIAC is so important. You know, it's, it's the seed corn for, for the really far-term future capabilities that uh, the NASA, and, and frankly, that I think that the public expects NASA to be doing. So how does NIAC measure success then? Because I'm sure there are some that get matured and some mm-hmm. that maybe fall out, some that, you know, have are hopeful, but maybe, you know, so how do you measure success? So I, I think we have to look at uh, success from different perspectives. Okay. So um, within STMD or, or any technology development program, uh, transition and infusion into missions is a very important metric. It always is, right? Sure. And it's important to us, but it's not the only measure. So um, we do track it, and we fall in that 20 to 30% uh, range in terms of NIAC ideas that move on to additional funding beyond NIAC, which I think is pretty mm-hmm. good. Uh, I think anything higher than that would have to question whether or not we're actually cutting edge. You mm. know, uh, we 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 don't consider um, outcomes of, of NIACs to be failures unless we don't learn anything. Knowledge transition is just as important as uh, the transition of technology itself. Um, so we do track 
transition, and we, um, wherever possible, we try to help encourage that um, and and introduce uh, potential stakeholders to to fellows. Uh, we haven't talked yet about the the phases, but oh, right, yeah. uh, but but phase two, uh, which is a long, little longer in duration, uh, longer in duration and and higher in value, six hundred k for two years. Um, we have a midterm review halfway through, so we'll try to bring in reviewers for that mid, that midterm review that are maybe from other government agencies or other uh, offices in NASA that might be able to look at this technology and the next steps. We try to do what we can, recognizing that even for the most promising technologies, it's a very hard feat. Um, mm. But even beyond uh, transition and infusion, um, we look at something else that we think is even more important, and that's inspiration. Um, so, uh, NIAC has been around in a couple of iterations for, for a couple of decades now. And, um, we've got some really good examples where, um, some of our best successes weren't things that necessarily were continued from one step to the other by the same lab. Uh, they served as inspiration. Uh, so the Ingenuity helicopter on Mars, um, that was not a NIAC project. However, uh, the, there was someone at JPL who went to a talk by somebody who had a NIAC back in the early 2000s for not the same, but a similar idea of a helicopter on Mars. They were inspired to pursue it, and it was one of the things that inspired Ingenuity, which is obviously on the surface of Mars now. Wow. And um, similarly, uh, two or three years ago, we had uh, the Marco mission, which was the first time we used deep space CubeSats, went to Mars. Yeah. And in... 2012, uh, we funded uh, Rob Staley to look at using um, deep space CubeSats. At the time, um, they were relatively new, and everyone was thinking of it as low Earth orbit, you know. And uh, NIAC invested in a study that said, "What if? What if we could actually use these for deep space?" Well, it's happened. It happened mm -hmm. three years ago. Uh, again, it it wasn't Rob Staley who developed it. It wasn't uh, you know a clean path where we can say NIAC transitioned from this program to that program. Um, but we know it inspired it, and uh, and we see that as success. Uh, so for us, inspiration matters, um, yeah, and that would be my answer. Which is funny Perfect. because that's the one of the agency goals is inspiration. When you talk about NASA and what mm -hmm. NASA's trying to do, it is it is inspire. So it's yeah. right in line with agency goals. Um, I want I do want to make sure we spend some time talking about the phases, right? Okay. So you mentioned phase two, Mike. If you can expand a little bit more on just. How it works, how sure. when, when it comes to maturity, how that works from phase one to three. Okay, so phase one is the the entry entry point. Yeah, as I mentioned, we have a two step phase one process where the uh, step A's are very short white paper submissions that we then uh, look through and invite for step B, which is the full proposal for phase one. And once awarded, the phase ones are nine month activities uh, for 175k, uh, typically grants. Uh, NASA centers can apply as well, which is just a, a transfer at that point. Mm -hmm. um, successful phase ones can then apply for phase two. Uh, phase twos are for two years and $600,000, uh, and that puts more meat on the bones of the concept. Uh, you know, I think phase one, like Ron likes to say, is to, to tell us why we should develop your special sauce, and phase two is to start developing that sauce. Okay. And so we, uh, we expect at that point, by the end of phase two, to have a better idea of what the feasibility um, and potential transition opportunities as well, whether they're spinoffs or if they're actually, you know, this could transition into a mission down the road. Mm. Following phase two is a phase three activity, uh, which is very rare. Uh, we fund one per year at most. Uh, this year we actually did not fund any. Uh, but phase three is for $2 million in two years to, to really uh, flesh out the concept and really look for those transition opportunities uh, to, to take that technology to the next step okay. and move it along. So To start making the sauce and 
Yeah. Doing yeah. a couple taste tests exactly, before yeah. you actually roll it out to market. See if so. someone's interested in buying that. Uh, <laughs> buying that sauce. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, the sauce analogy really is good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's Ron's. Yeah, we, we stole that from Ron. <laughs> All right. Uh, something to leave our audience with, guys, is just um, the importance of continuing this, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, just to, to leave us with the idea of, you know, we, we have this sense of inspiration. We have a, a good an understanding of what NIAC is, what it does. Um, but something to really excite our audience um, and, and really just understanding just crazy concepts, why we do it. Um, so, so I mean, I, I think, John, you answered beautifully with the example of, of uh, inspiration. Mike, I guess we'll pass this one to you to just sort of wrap us up. Is, um, I have what? to follow that, really? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> it is, yeah, sorry. <laughs> John did good. John he did, did real good. He, he, that's why we hired him, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I think in Nike in general, I mean, I think the things we're doing is, is actually what people expect NASA to be doing, right? I mean, landing people on the moon is, is awesome, you know, and, mm-hmm. and that's just an incredible feat to, to do that. But people are looking at, you know, why aren't we out at the uh, out at the outer planets with people? Why, aren't, why why isn't artists you know twenty years old by now? You know why aren't we doing interstellar missions? Mm-hmm. You know there, there's a lot of activities I think people look at NASA as, the, as their inspiration, right? This is this is the place where people go to be inspired, mm-hmm. uh, not just in terms of technology, but in, in human capability. You know what is it that people can actually do? And this is what NIAC is, is for. You know we provide that 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 like John said, a dream shop for for people to actually envision what that future could look like, and then we try to help make that happen. See, you did just fine. Nah, nah, it was second rate compared to John. <laughs> no, it was it was such a pleasure to have yeah. both of you on. And I know, I know, this is coming like right at the back end of the symposium, but I'm glad I got to coast off of your energy off of uh, off of these past couple of days and get to pick your brains a little bit. Um, so I appreciate both of you coming on, Mike, John. Thanks for coming on Houston Wheel Podcast. Thank you Houston for inviting Wheel us. Podcast. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Hey, thanks for sticking around. Awesome conversation with Mike and John today. Hope you learned something. Check out NASA.gov for the latest on NIAC, some of the cool inventions they have. A lot of the things that we discussed today can be looked into further on NASA.gov. So make sure you check out that if you want to learn more and some of the many other things, many, many other things that we didn't discuss today. Of course, we're not the only NASA podcast. You can check them all out at nasa.gov slash podcast. And if you want to talk to us, we're on Facebook, X, Instagram. You can use the hashtag AskNASA on the NASA Johnson Space Center accounts of any one of these. And uh, submit an idea. Make sure to mention it's for us at Houston. We have a podcast, though, so we can know it's for us. This episode was recorded on September 21st, 2023. Thanks to Will Flato, Dane Turner, Abby Graff, Jane Jennings, and Kathy Riley. And of course, thanks again to Mike LaPointe and John Nelson for taking the time to come on the show. Give us a rating and feedback on whatever platform you're listening to us on and tell us what you think of our podcast. We'll be back next week.